What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is crackalackin', Hardwood Knox party people? I am Dan Favalli, coming at you with my super-duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, cannot believe that Mike Conley was snubbed from the 2020 NBA All-Star Game co-host, Andrew D. Bailey. Before we get started, we have our usual housekeeping notes. I will try to blow through them super quickly, since Andy already heard them once before today. A little bit of a mishap behind pulling back the curtain there. But, first and foremost, please... Rate, review, and subscribe to Hardwood Knox on iTunes. You can also do the same wherever else you are consuming your podcast because we are everywhere. We are omnipresent. That is what Hardwood Knox is. iTunes, though, is still the best way to let us know that you're out there and listening. We appreciate every single review that we get. Constructive criticism is appreciated. Throw us that five-star rating, though. Definitely subscribe. Make sure you're downloading all of our episodes. And if you've done all that, shout-outs on Twitter are appreciated. You can retweet our promos for the podcast or just word of mouth. Recommend us – maybe not word of mouth, word of mouth, excuse me. Recommend us to a friend, family member, frenemy, coworker, acquaintance, rando on the street. They will all thank you later. Trust us. Follow the show on YouTube as well, youtube.com. Search Hardwood Knox. We'll be right there. Like and like all our videos. Subscribe to us. We appreciate that too. Follow Hardwood Knox on Twitter also, at Hardwood Knox, and then go ahead and follow Andy on Twitter, at Andrew D. Bailey. Follow me on Twitter, at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E, and be sure to follow the Blue Wire Podcast Network on Twitter. That is a big help to us, too, at Blue Wire Pods. Last, but certainly not least, we want to shout out our sponsors for this week. You will be hearing from them shortly, betonline.ag and Untuck It. They help make this podcast possible, so be sure to check them out, and again, you'll be hearing from them incredibly soon. Andy, how the hell are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I'm doing good. I'm ready to dive into this uh, podcast. The trade deadline has passed, so we've got a little bit of a reprieve, but uh, as you know, player movement never stops in the NBA. Well, I don't think players are, are going anywhere. I do want to ask you, before we actually get into the nitty-gritty of questions, did you see Joel Embiid's Instagram post? Oh, uh, yes, I did. And then did you see his follow-up tweet where he was just saying, I love you, Philly? I did not see the follow-up tweet. It um, was... I'm so not... I, I will continue to operate under the understanding that he's going to leave. <laughs> I the, the whole, if you live long enough, you become the villain or whatever quote he yeah. posted. And then Jimmy Butler slides in the comments saying, I know a place where villains are welcome. And then he's, Joel Embiid's like, basically, for sure, bro. And then he tweets a picture of himself with basically the message, I love you, Philly. It was, and it was all within like an hour, I believe, of, of <laughs> each other. And so I don't, I'm not one to like to read too much into the, into the, the Instagram stuff. I'd rather be talking about why the Bucks are just killing everybody, even when they don't have Giannis Antetokounmpo on the floor. But it was just funny because it was just a very wide range of happenings in, in just a very short amount of time. And it's just to see Philly, uh, and we are going to talk about them tangentially in a second, just sort of implode. Like, like I don't know, 
from the perception of them or something. It's just, it's so weird. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing his most recent tweet now and I don't, I don't know how reassuring that even is made for this. If I can take it, then you can too. So, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So he's just saying we, we suck and we're going to get it, get through it together. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, that was funny. And like you said, it's, um, it's probably more productive for us to talk about. I mean, even I am guilty of this a little bit. I was looking at the box scores last night. I was, as I was flipping through games and the bucks are 46 and seven. Um, it, I, it's just crazy. And I think there are a lot of people who are saying, Hey, we need to pay closer attention to this. Um, and so maybe, maybe the lack of attention is a little bit overblown. Um, but yeah, they're just, they're phenomenal this season. And I think there are a lot of people who love the drama that we see on social media and stuff like that. Um, but there's, there's a heck of a story happening on the floor this season for sure. And there's, I don't know if it's so much the extracurricular stuff when it comes to the Bucks specifically, but it's, everyone is so quick to deem the Lakers and the Clippers, the top two contenders. And like, not only the Bucks on pace to win 71 games, but they're also outscoring opponents by nearly eight points per 100 possessions when Giannis Antetokounmpo is off the floor. And that's a 2,000-plus possession sample size. That's absurd. That's just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Would you call them your championship favorite right now? Uh, You're part no, of the problem. That's the pro- I know. I was <laughs> going to say. <laughs> um, I think I would, but it is sort of a three-horse race here. And I, I think – the reason that people are so high on the LA teams, I, we have this, this um, we're predisposed, I think in basketball to, to kind of discount teams who haven't done it before. And by done it, I mean, win the whole thing. Um, and these groups in LA haven't done it either, but they're led by guys who have like LeBron James has multiple titles, multiple finals, MB, MVP, same with Kawhi Leonard. So I think people sort of default to that. Um, but there's, there's always a, a first time. I mean, there was the 2011 Mavericks, the 2004 Pistons, uh, the first title that Shaq and Kobe won together. Um, you know, the first warriors title, like yeah. these dynasties don't just <laughs> like, they have to start somewhere. Um, and, and for a team that's putting up the, the biggest point differential in NBA history on pace for 71 wins, like you said, um, I think in just about every other year, we'd look at them as a juggernaut that that first year the warriors won the title i even think they were taken a little bit more seriously as a title contender than the bucks are right now and this this bucks team statistically is better than that first warriors title team um pretty sure i might, I might want to double check that they're, they're certainly on pace for more wins um so so they're every bit of juggernaut and i think if i had to pick one team right now and and really settle on one it'd probably be the bucks it's. I still think it's fair if you want to pick the Lakers or the Clippers, but there's. It's not the Lakers and the Clippers and everyone else. It's the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, and yeah. everyone else. Yeah. And, and there is the case that you said that the Bucks could be above even those two, and I talked about that on Monday's mailbag. So we will press on from there, which which in turn means that it's time for our Bet Online AG Fast Five segment that will actually be faster than the first time we did it, where I spent 15 minutes on on the five. Uh, BetOnline.ag is your online sportsbook online sportsbook expert. Use the promo code BlueWire, all one word, for a fifty percent welcome bonus. Again, that's promo code BlueWire, all one word, for a fifty percent welcome bonus. 
What I've done this time, since it's a regular length podcast, I've actually, and you get an overwhelming number of responses for the mailbag, is I've singled out five more questions from that solicitation, and, and we're going to roll through them. Are, are you ready, Andy? Let's do it. Our first question comes from Jordan Scott at Jordan Jordan Dan 53 Everyone talks about how teams not being able to match up with the likes of Kawhi Leonard and PG or AD and LeBron, but there's really no team that can. The Nuggets added more guys with the physical profile to do it, but not the skill. Can that be enough? I'm assuming he's referring to Keita Bates' job and Noah Vonley, or he's just not talking about the trade line in general, in general and he's referring to the Jeremy Grant pickup in the offseason. Otherwise, I'm not. I don't look at anyone on the Nuggets, uh, even of those three guys, and say they're great matchups for that front court. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I would call them great matchups either. Um but I don't know if they're like, I don't know if they're any more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for lacking than, than other teams. Like I, I think Jeremy Grant is a guy who could, you could throw on Kawhi or LeBron for possessions and, and not be just absolutely destroyed. Um, you, you'd be kind of destroyed probably, but maybe not absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's but, the goal. Isn't I know. It? <laughs> yeah. Nobody's, nobody's going to stop those guys. Um, you, you just have to slow them down a little bit. And I think, you know, we just mentioned that the top tier of title contenders is probably um, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Bucks. And in answer to Jordan's question, I do think the Nuggets are pretty close. I think they have a legit top five to ten player, and and that's enough to get your foot in the door in this conversation with Jokic. And they surrounded him with a bunch of guys that fit really well. Um, Jamal Murray, uh, one thing about him that I think is underrated is he's just got a really serious competitive streak. Um, we saw that in the playoffs last year. We've seen that in a couple games here since he's returned from injury. I don't think, you know, Jokic and Murray isn't a top two like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George or LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, but it's certainly in the next tier. And if you surround them with enough tough, gritty defenders, which, as Jordan said, I think they're trying to do, um, you get closer and closer to that top tier. Yeah, I'm with you. They're de- they're in the second tier for me. Yeah. Which I think is pretty darn close. Yeah. And the thing about this year um, that's just so different than almost any other season I've watched is I wouldn't be stunned if someone from that second tier won the title. Like it wouldn't it wouldn't blow me away. I, I still think it's pretty wide open. Um, you know, the Bucks are the favorite to me and, and the Lakers and Clippers are right there with them. But the Jazz, the Nuggets, um, even the Raptors, I think, could come out of the East at this God point. Goddamn the Raptors. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy what they're doing. Um, so speaking of a team that might need more attention. Um, we covered them in Monday's mailbag, too, just in case anyone's okay, wondering. Good, good, good. Um, yeah, there's just a bunch of teams that are really solid, and I think the Nuggets are absolutely in that second tier and maybe, maybe even knocking on the door of the first one. It is amazing to wrap, to wrap up on them that – they're second in the West, and you know the Clippers are only they're, they're tied in the lost column. They're only one win behind, so they're half game back. But it it feels like the Nuggets have been sort of Jekyll and Hyde all year, and yet they're second in the West. Like it's their game against the Spurs on Monday night was a perfect example where they yeah. were trailing by a zillion and then just won. Yeah. I, it, it's just it's so bizarre. So there's like an element of inconsistency there which troubles you, but we have to respect the fact that they're second in the in the West, have a legitimate superstar, and they do have a, a really nice supporting cast, and the emergence of Michael Porter Jr. could end up being That's a really big. big swing piece for them. Yeah, I agree. Second question comes from Dennis Celery, uh, 
hope maybe he's the accountant from that AT&T wireless commercial at type top flight DJ. If Portland doesn't make the playoffs this season, what changes will be made? I, I think Portland has a built in excuse to not make changes this time. Um, because they were missing Yusuf Nurkic for much, basically all of, well, all of the season that we've seen so far. I don't know when he's going to come back. Um, Rodney Hood's been out for most of the season. Zach Collins is only playing three games. Yeah, Zach Collins has missed a bunch of time. So I think it'd be very easy for them actually to just say, we did, you didn't see our full team, so we're going to run it back again. Um, this question comes up, I think, probably every year, and not just on our podcast, obviously. it's it's Is it ever going to be time to break up the Lillard McCollum backcourt. Um, and I honestly don't know where I stand on that. I Somebody said, gosh, I wish I could remember who it was. Somebody said something about they could trade McCollum and not be that much worse with Gary Trent. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Who said that? And he's been, he's been solid. I don't, you know, to expect him to suddenly replace the 20 points that McCollum gives you every night is, is maybe a little bit of a stretch. Um, but the idea is maybe you get a bigger... Again, this isn't new. Maybe you get a bigger wing to put along Damian Lillard and you can shore up your defense a little bit. Um, but I, I'm sure we've said it on here, and it's it's pretty obvious. The chances of replacing a 20-point-per-game score, whether it's in the draft or, or somewhere else, it's just it's not an easy thing to do. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's a very wishy-washy answer I'm providing for his question. I, I think what they're going to do is just say let's let's get everybody healthy and let's take another crack at it next year. The I think the right opportunity has to present itself, and I'm just assuming as you are that the question is aimed at will they break up the Dame and CJ backcourt? Maybe it's a little bit easier. I agree with you that there's the built-in excuse, and it's a legitimate one to do nothing yeah. this summer. I mean, they picked up Carmelo Anthony off the street and have mm-hmm. needed him to play a semi-big role. Maybe it's easier this summer to make the move though because you have Anthony Simons, but he's been very inefficient since his hot start he's perked up a little bit in february before uh entering the concussion protocol for the league but maybe that's sort of the impetus for you or do you go the opposite direction i know they really view their own players highly but do you think about moving him in in a blockbuster package for mccullum specifically because they're not moving damian lillard unless he demands her out and it just doesn't seem like he's going to do that I, it would have to be the right opportunity. Like maybe it's a Sixers situation where if they look at moving Ben Simmons, but I don't know how much better a Ben Simmons would make Portland. Uh, you're not going to be one of the teams that can get involved in a Joel Embiid trade unless you're just not. I think ben Simmons would make them a lot better, but I, but I defensively awesome. sure they definitely need to surround. They need three and D wings. They like they've always seemed to have guys who can do one or the other, hit threes or defend, but never anyone that can really do both. Ariz is probably the closest they've come and since Wes Matthews, I think, and Nick Batum, like that, that team. Uh, so, I, yeah, there's that element there, and, and Dame can play off the ball. Uh, so, yeah, maybe that's one of the opportunities you, you look at. But it would have, again, it would have to be something like that. Like, you're not going to move C.J. McCollum really for a collection of role players. I'm not even sure what team would have that. And you're not going to move him for draft picks and prospects because you're not a team that's operating on that timeline, and that's definitely not going to look good to Dame. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I think we're kind of on the same spot. It would, it, they'd have to be blown away by something. Otherwise, they can just say, let's try this again. Next question from Ben Wirt at Benjamin Wirt. What do the Wolves have to add in the offseason to make the playoffs next year? Oh, boy. Um, 
a bunch of three and D wings is really just yeah. That's, I was going to say the same thing. That's easier said than done. Obviously, I mean that's kind of what everybody wants right now. Uh, but you've got, I think, a legit offensive top two in Russell and Towns, uh, two very gifted offensive players. One is one of the statistically best offensive players ever in Carl Anthony Towns. Um, now, now you've got to surround those guys with people who defend because as good as they are offensively, they're, they're giving a lot back on the other end. Both of them are, they're just not great defenders. So you got to surround them with as many big switchy guys as you can. Um, but again, I think that's, that's just a lot easier said than done. Yeah, I'm with you. And if, if you had to maybe sit, look, they have Jared Culver, they have Malik Beasley, neither of whom has been like this defensive juggernaut this season. So you sort of have those like two, three spots, at least where you could maybe get have average to above average defenders there. Although Malik Beasley, for what he, for his athleticism, he should be a much better defender. The, the real key might be putting someone alongside front, uh, alongside Carl Anthony Towns in the front court that can defend both the four and the five. And yeah. so that it, it makes life easier for him. And I'm not, you know, they're going to be, they're not going to have cap space this summer. I, I don't. And I don't believe. And so you, you're going to find them in that mid-level exception tier. And I don't know who would really be available for them within within that price range. That's that's really going to make a difference on that front. And, you know, it might be a matter of they have their draft pick this year. Can they hope that they find someone in the draft? Can you find someone on the margins? But they're not going to have the resources this summer to go out and get you know, just readily get those guys. Yeah. The upshot there is the market's going to be wonky anyway because so few teams have cap space. Does your mid-level exception go further than than you initially thought? But even sort of scanning, like you know, a Jeremy Grant, who has a player option, would be um, a, a great addition to them, I would think. But do you really have the money to get him if, if he opts out? Because he's making nine point one million on his player option. So if he's opting out, you have to believe that he's going to get substantially more than that is it could they get a jay crowder is that someone that might help yeah those are two interesting names for sure the other problem that's obvious that the timberwolves face is that they're in the western conference um good call they're they're always going to be it's always going to be an uphill battle for them to make the playoffs at least they've got town's friend in town though now um seems like that was pretty big for him the warriors are certainly hoping that Playing in the Western Conference is going to hurt the Timberwolves. That's, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Next question comes from Twitter user JM at Let's Make Wafers. Why is Devonte Graham's play this season not more widely heralded? I would. I'm going to just jump in here and, and steal it and say it's because he he's been very inefficient over the last you know 25 games. He was a so. nice story for like a month. There's there's still an element of so he's shooting. Uh, he's slashing 33.7, 31.9, 82.1 over his last 26 games. Sheesh. Yeah. There's, and look, there's still an element of, hey, this is impressive to his season. He is fifth in points scored off unassisted three-pointers behind Luka Doncic, Trey Young, Damian Lillard, and James Harden. And while he's not hitting those shots at the same clip as at least three of those guys, he the fact that he's taking them and that his role is so difficult, I think that's something to really look into and applaud. And we've seen that Terry Rozier isn't as effective on the floor without him. Uh, he really does open up space for everybody else when when you watch the Hornets. So he's certainly having a good season, but the, the kind of all-star case that he was building through his first 25, 27 games, that really fell off, not just over the past few weeks, but over the past 
two months. And so I still think he's a great find, but that's probably why it's not receiving more coverage. I'm just going to repeat those numbers <laughs> again, and then we can move on to the next question. Um, for his first 27 games, he averaged 20 points, shot 41.5% from the field and 42.9% from three. Then the next 26, which is the numbers that you laid out, um, 33.7% from the field on almost 15 field goal attempts per game over a 26-game sample. Um, that's alarmingly bad. Um, so, yeah, he was he was a fun story for a little bit, and they need him to take these shots, as you just outlined. Uh, but I think it's probably fair that he's sort of fallen off the radar here. Our last question comes from Twitter user AJZ. Handle is at Mr. Underscore Zimmy. How have your expectations of the 76ers changed since the start of the season? How likely do we see them entering the postseason without home court advantage? Where does the team go forward if they get bounced in the first, second, or Eastern Conference Finals, respectively? I'm going to say I do not expect them to have home court advantage in the playoffs. I'd be pleasantly surprised if they erase the right now two and a half game gap that separates them from the four seed. I don't even have the, uh, I'm going to pull up the standings real quick. Oh yeah. I don't think they're going to catch Miami either. Um, Boston and Toronto, I think are out of the question. It's, it's two and a half games between them and Miami. I don't think they get there either. My expectations have changed, certainly. I, I thought they were one of the handful of teams that could win the title. I'm I'm not nearly as convinced of that as I once was. I still think their top-end talent, is it, it should be really good. I mean, Joel Embiid's a very talented player. Ben Simmons is extremely talented. Um, the fit that we were always worried about, I think, is a bigger problem than, than we may have expected with Al Horford and Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris, paying him the money you are for him to just sort of be, um, I mean, he's an above average player, but I'm not sure how far above average he is. And when you're paying that guy 30 plus million dollars, that's a problem. Josh Richardson hasn't really popped for them. Um, there, there's just a lot of interesting fit issues. And and the one that I'm dancing around, is obviously the fit between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Um, Simmons is just a much, much different player when Embiid isn't out there. So my expectations have lowered significantly for this team. I'm with you. I don't think they get home court advantage. And this offseason, um, I think a lot could be on the table. Um, you know, you and I have talked about how we don't like to speculate over people's jobs, but Brett Brown, his job will probably be on the table. Um, I, Elton Brand, maybe. And then the big one is, do they trade one of, the, one of those top guys, Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid? And which one is it? Which one do you want to build around going forward? Um, I think there are very legitimate arguments for both of them. I, I come down on the keep Ben Simmons side of that equation. I think there's fewer of us. Um, we're, we're like the never nudes in arrested development. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, there could be a lot of big questions on the table for the Sixers this summer. I'm just not, look, I, I'm with you on this season anyway, and there, maybe there'll be something to they're better suited for the playoffs to really muck up those games. That being said, I think you need to come in with a certain level of confidence which and morale and chemistry and synergy that they're just not going to have. And that's probably the, their biggest failure at this point is maybe that's where Glenn Robinson the third and Alec Burks help them long term as it just gives them the depth to sort of finish the regular season on a high note. Because with the way that it seems that this team is emotionally right now, I wouldn't pick them to win a playoff series with Miami. 
if Miami's given home court advantage, and that's who they're lined up to face in in the first round. I wouldn't be confident in picking it anyway. Yes, there's a path for them to get to the finals, but I wouldn't come close to picking them in a series with the Bucks. That's for no, sure. Me neither. Uh, but I'm I'm not so inclined to break up Embiid and Simmons. It feels like they've built the supporting cast terribly around them, and that's the bigger problem. Is why wouldn't yeah. you focus more on off ball offense and then guys who can defend? And, and look, Al Horford. His feet have definitely been, and he's been dealing with an Achilles problem apparently, but he's been slower on the defensive end. You have Josh Richardson who can defend. Uh, both they and Tobias Harris space the floor in theory, but those are all, with the exception of Richardson, Horford and Harris are guys who are used to working with the ball in their hands, or in Horford's case, playing a certain way that the Sixers aren't able to play when they have their main guys on the floor. I Here's what I, the money doesn't work on this, so I'm not proposing the, the trade itself, but if you took Al Horford and replaced him with an Eric Gordon, I think the Sixers are measurably better just because he's so much better of a fit for their spacing and what he can do. And so is there a move that you can look at along those lines where, yeah, you're going to break up the starting five? I don't necessarily know who wants Al Horford's contract. But maybe I was just going to say it's difficult because I don't, I don't know how you trade Horford or Harris. I, and Someone will come after Harris. He's only, I was going to say there's always somebody out there who will make a deal. I mean, we, the NBA has proven that. Time and time again, I just think those might be difficult contracts to move. Um, definitely with you. I don't think the answer, though, in the face of, oh, we have these bad contracts on the books is, well, then we need to trade one of our two top 20 guys. I just that. And then I'm not so sure which one I would even pick. I, I, I know that there's arguments for both, and I sort of lean Ben Simmons as well. But that's a decision that if they make, it's going to feel to me not genuine because they didn't give it a real shot because I feel like they never built this roster the way it needed to be around its two best players. And to not tailor it to that pairing, I know it's not a perfect pairing, but you're still talking about two stars. I think that's a fundamental failure on the franchise's part. I think that's fair. There there you have it. The betonline.ag fast five. Might have to change it to the first five with the with the slow fashion in which Annie and I do it. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% off welcome bonus at betonline.ag. Ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite untucked style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle free button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With untucked, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use, they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. After talking sort of that, I wanted to us to just sort of go around and, and look at the, the buyout market, what it could potentially be, and whether there are names that stand out to us that could be bought out that maybe we weren't thinking about already. Uh, just as a reminder, the, the deadline to have those players off the roster is March 1st so that they can sign with a playoff team and be eligible to play in the postseason. We've already seen Marvin Williams 
And Michael Kikilchrist broker buyouts with the Hornets. Marv is in Milwaukee. I thought that was a great pickup for the Bucks. And Michael Kikilchrist is in Dallas. That is a questionable fit at best to me. I, yeah, I don't get that one either. And Tyler Johnson was bought out by the Suns, but as of this recording, we do not have his his next destination. Is there anyone else to you that stands out that could potentially be on the buyout market coming? I know there's like the common names to mention, but is there anyone maybe you know off the the beaten path that that you think could broker a buyout that would really help a team? Well, um, what are the common names you're thinking of right now? Tristan Thompson, even though they've said that they're not going to buy him out. I think I, I think there's been some buzz about Reggie Jackson. Um, off the beaten path ones, what I did was just go through all the uh, basketball reference has a handy little list of all the player salaries all in one spot. And I just looked for expiring contracts on bad teams. Um, I, I think there are some somewhat interesting candidates, a couple of Pistons, John Henson and Langston Galloway, perhaps. Um, will the Knicks think about buying out Maurice Harkless? Uh, the Hornets have already bought out Williams and MKG is, is Biombo possibly next. Um, even Kent Bazemore in Sacramento. Um, I know you're a, you're a fan of Bazemore's. Um, Evan Turner's a guy who I think is, is a candidate for a buyout. I just don't know who would sign him after he was bought out. He hasn't joined the Timberwolves. So my guess would be that he's, he's bought, he'll be bought out. So, all right. So since you threw out a bunch of names, let's start with Tristan Thompson. What's interesting is, and, and it's, it matters, I think in his upcoming free agency market, and I didn't really think about it until some people pointed it out right around the trade deadline. I believe it was on the, was it, I think it might've been the, the Dunk Don podcast or Hollinger and Duncan were talking about it, that these players aren't going to broker buyouts because having their bird rights with the team is important since there aren't a, a list of suitors available that are just going to give them raises or substantial contracts. Point. And so it's yeah. easier for their own teams to to give them money. And Tristan Thompson specifically has been mentioned as that guy, he's repped by Rich Paul, who's known for getting his clients paid. And so th- there's a strong chance he won't get bought out. But you look at that roster with Drummond and Love and Larry Nance Jr., I, I still feel like it ends up being a possibility. I, they have to at least discuss it. Um, that's that's a consideration that I did not think of before, the bird rights thing. And I think that's huge, um, a lot bigger than I was giving it credit for obviously but i i think they like you said they've got a bunch of big guys there so i i think they've got to at least think about it i it would probably come down to is whether tristan thompson wants to go to a contender or not here he's a guy who's been with the team for a long long time um you know he's probably got a lot of equity built up with that organization so it maybe it just comes down to whether or not he wants to stay i just don't in this situation specifically too i don't know how far his bird rights go if they have andre drummond on the roster as well, because yeah, even that's, if he, that's fair too. Yeah. Even if he opts out, the implication of me would be they got him so that they could possibly keep him. Uh, but maybe he's also looking at it from the standpoint of if he does get bought out, he's probably going to Boston or the Clippers and both of those teams, uh, depending on what happens with Gordon Hayward's player option. And then depending on what happens with Marcus Morris and Montres Harrell in Los Angeles project as taxpayers next season, in which case you're, if you want to go back to them, you're only looking at the mini mid level, and it's not even the full mid level. The flip side is, I don't know who's going to give Tristan Thompson the yeah, who's going to give him the, more than that anyway. Yeah, so it's and I hate to do that to bigs who are clearly good. It's just the market for them is is so wonky right now, and so I still think he ends up being a possibility. 
You mentioned some Pistons too. I don't think they'll buy out Langston Galloway. He seems like someone who's valuable to them in the locker room. And I could see them bringing him back next year. I also don't know if they're committed to a full-on rebuild. They have Griffin, Derek Rose. Uh, if Tony Snell opts in and Markeith Morris opts in, it might just be easier for them to, you know, maybe try and retinker this thing or, around Griffin. Reggie Jackson, though, is interesting because he is definitely not going to be back next year. And I'm wondering if you could see him potentially helping any team, even if it's just a matter of upgrading the third string point guard minutes or something. What hasn't he already been connected to a team too? I don't want to say the wrong one, but um, someone's probably mentioned the Lakers because I just feel like that's what it, happens. I think it's the Clippers is the one that I saw, and I'm I'm pulling it up now, and it was Mark Stein. Um, Detroit's Reggie Jackson is still assessing whether to pursue a buyout or complete his Pistons contract. League sources say, but the Clippers have emerged as a likely suitor. Um, you want to fund guess- Reggie Jackson stat? Yeah, go for it. He's shooting 39.2% on threes and 38.9% on twos. Nice. Uh, much like Devontae Graham over here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, only slightly better in both numbers than Devontae Graham. Um, anyway, I guess the, yeah, it makes sense for the Clippers to just keep piling up depth. Um, I don't know how much Reggie Jackson would help the Clippers in the playoffs. I'm not even sure if he would be in like an eight or nine man rotation. Um, but I guess I can kind of get that. I, I don't know. Uh, he, he's only 29 years old, so I, you know, he could probably still help somebody. Um, but he's, he's not a name that does a ton for me, um, in terms of, you know, whether or not I think he moves the needle for, for contenders. This is a, probably a bad question to ask after he just went off on Monday night, but is, would Reggie Jackson represent an upgrade over the Raj on Rondo minutes for the Lakers? Um, probably, (laughs) um, how's that for an inspiring answer? Um, maybe even Orlando, they're just so banged up all the time. It seems put another scorer on that roster and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, lots of us for me on this Reggie Jackson segment. Yeah. This Um, is going to be your, but, um, podcast. (laughs) I, I just don't, he doesn't really do a ton for me for any team. I guess he's probably a slight upgrade over. Rajon Rondo, Orlando makes some sense, but they've already got Markel Fultz and DJ Augustine. And I think Michael Carter Williams has quietly been like decent for them this season. So I don't know. I just, I I have a hard time finding a real great fit for him. I think the, I would agree with you on Orlando, but uh, you know, Carter Williams was injured for a bit this season. DJ Augustine is injured now has a, has a knee problem. So, and their their offense is just so topsy turvy. True. The offense is generally just bad for them. So I, I would consider it. Uh, another name you mentioned where I think the bird rights come into play is Mo Harkless. I kind of feel like if he did get bought out that he just ends up being the Rockets backup center or something. But <laughs> he's another guy where it's, I don't know what the market for you would be. And you just saw the Knicks give out all these expensive short-term deals. And maybe you would be in line for a windfall if they don't do anything major in free agency, which it stands to reason that they won't because the market just isn't conducive to something like that. So maybe he's someone that doesn't even enter the, the buyout discussion. Objectively, though, if they're not planning on bringing him back at all, I he should broker a buyout. And then then again, even if they're not, you know, Mike Miller's been playing the veterans some pretty heavy minutes as well that you might be able to actually contribute and, and do something for your own market there more so than if you signed with a, a contender where perhaps you wouldn't have the role that would 
that you would have in the Knicks. And he's replacing Marcus Morris. So like Marcus Morris's minutes are up for grabs and, you know, conventional wisdom says they'll go and they'll, you know, they'll divvy that up again among Kevin Knox, RJ Barrett, Damian Dotson, but it's the Knicks. And so they, they probably won't. And it hasn't looked like they've been invested in playing the youth since trading Marcus Morris, though it's only been a two game sample. So there's that to consider, but he would be a name that I think would draw some interest just as someone who can guard bigger wings. And I would not put it past the Rockets one bit to sign him and hope that he can give them some minutes at small ball center. You know, what's wild about Mo Harquist is he's, he's 26 years old. Um, no, he's not. Yeah. Wow. Um, came into the league at 19. This is his seventh season, I think. Um, yeah, 26 years old. He's, I think he's younger than some people realize. He's also kind of a yo-yo in terms of three-point percentage. Like, if you look at his career three-point percentage, it goes 27, 38, 18, 28, 35, 42, back down to 28, then up to 37 this year. Um, so I don't, I don't know if you, like, <laughs> it'd be hard to count on what you're getting from him, um, at least as a shooter. I, I think what you can count on from him is solid defense, uh, switchability, and, and he makes a ton of sense in a small ball type of scheme like what Houston is doing right now. Um, and you could yeah. call that a, a four-out lineup around. Maybe you, you wouldn't have him on the floor in the minutes that Russell Westbrook is on the floor, but he does come close to giving you a four-out lineup because he will take threes yeah, and he has sure. hit them around league average before. Yeah. And his not that this is like completely indicative of rim protection, but he does average one block per 36 minutes over the course of his career, which is maybe a little bit more <laughs> rim protection than you get from PJ Tucker. Um, so I, I I never even thought about the possibility of him being bought up and bought out and going to the Rockets, but that's very interesting to me now that you mention it. Alan Crabb would be a name that I would pinpoint, but the Timberwolves actually seem to like him, and I don't think that you would have traded Jeff Teague for him if you didn't. Maybe they knew they were going to get D'Angelo Russell, but even then, I don't think you do that unless you I looked at Go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't think you acquire Alan Crabb if you don't want to look at keeping him. And they yeah. can use a guy who can hit threes, and he's someone who, not so much this season, but he's proven that he can certainly do that throughout his career. I looked at Crabb too, and, and I almost did the same thing that with Evan Turner that I did with Alan Crabb, where I saw his contract and I just thought, who's who's actually going to sign him if he does get bought out? Like you said, he does have a 38.8 career, 0.8 career, geez, 38.8 uh, three-point percentage for his career. Um, but I just, there, there's, is there anything else he provides on the basketball court? Um, I, I don't know. He's He was one that I was sort of, going back and forth on whether I'd even add him to my list. Just for the potential shooting alone, there are some, I mean, the Clippers could use, they have Marcus Morris, but they could use a, a, a shooter. I wouldn't, I wouldn't waste, you know, roster spot on him for them at this point, but maybe even could, could the Lakers, is he more playable than a Troy Daniels for them? Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting possibility. The, the magic even, I'm just going to throw out the magic for anyone who could shoot or score. Yeah. As you but should. I, I just I just don't think he's going to be someone who hits the market. Evan Turner probably will, and I actually have a name after him, but do you see a potential fit for Evan Turner anywhere? And I think the role for him would be he has some portability on the defensive end. He can handle the ball. Is there a pathway to just him helping out anyone? I, I kind of the same. I'm even less inspired by Evan Turner than I am um, Reggie Jackson. He's uh, he can play some backup point guard, 
I suppose. He's appeared in 19 games this season. Um, 0 of 5 from 3. I, I I feel like the game has just sort of passed him by, unfortunately. It, it, this is a really small sample size, but he's, his true shooting percentage this season is 42. And that's after it was 50 last year. Um, first career, it's under 50. It's just, it's just really bad. And and maybe if you've got enough offensive weapons on your bench that you can surround him with, maybe maybe you can survive those minutes. But that level of efficiency is just hard to overcome. Let's throw him back to the Celtics and see if he can regain some of that value yeah. that he, he built up in 2016. Give, send all those guys back to Brad Stevens, Evan Turner, Isaiah Thomas. The Celtics probably need more shooters overall themselves. They have a really good offense, but they're middle of the pack in three-point percentage, so that might not be the, the best idea. Another name, though, also from the Wolves that stood out to me that I don't think is being talked about enough is Amari Spellman. Uh, I think that he's actually someone that, and I'm assuming the Timberwolves would get rid of him and Turner just in an effort to duck the tax this season. He's someone that I think would draw a ton of interest. The Rockets, again, he definitely seems like someone who could play a small ball five role for them. He's shooting 39.1% from three this year. And so that's a name that I think would be fairly sought after if he does hit the open market. Yeah. That's one that I did not consider and that he, he would be interesting. Um, maybe we should turn this podcast into who, who will pl- eventually play center for the Rockets. Um, but he, yeah, he's interesting. Eight points a game, almost 40% from three. Uh, that would be interesting. Why, why wouldn't uh, Minnesota want to hang on to him? I guess just to duck the tax, as you said. Yeah, and there was a report that they're considering waiving him. So, oh wow, okay, yeah. So and it's just I don't know. Maybe they're thinking differently. It could depend on how much they get back in a prospective Evan Turner buyout. But I can't imagine that he's that he's going to give back that much money unless he has another destination lined up. And as we just went through, I, I don't know that you can guarantee that he'll have that. So yeah, yeah, I, I think. When you're just looking at it, it, it to me it wouldn't make sense. But you're also, I, I don't know what you're you've envisioned him as. You have James Johnson under contract next year. You have Jared Vanderbilt. You have Juan Hernan Gomez. Maybe you're looking for backup five to Carl Anthony Towns, and that's what you sort of view him as. Uh, I don't know, but I do think there's a pretty clear case to argue that well, he's not really um, that he isn't part of the future. But he's also he's also under contract for next season. Is is that right? I didn't even realize that. For some reason, I didn't think that he was. So yeah, he's under contract through twenty twenty two with a team option. So then you would just straight up have to. I don't know what would be the incentive for him to get a buyout. But if the Timberwolves considered waiving him, I would definitely think that someone would be interested in claiming him. I think I don't even think he would last, you know, a half day on the on the waiver market, waiver wire, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I think you might be right about that. There was a name people were talking about. Uh, Solomon Hill in Miami that I was a little bit surprised by. I don't think they view him as go ahead. That was another one that I saw and just kind of put in the Evan Turner, Alan Crabb bin. I you know, he could get bought out, but I just I don't know who would sign him after that. Oh, see, I was going the opposite way where it's I know he wasn't viewed as an asset in that deal with the Grizzlies and then the Timberwolves, but contract year Solomon Hill is once again shooting thirty eight point one percent from three. And as someone that you can stick on bigger wings, if you're Miami, I just don't know. I'm not worried about resigning him next summer. It's just why? Why would you get rid of that breaking case of emergency defensive option who has hit his threes this year? 
that's a good question actually um yeah i don't i don't know exactly why they would um has he played at all for them since he came over i know jake crowder's had two good games oh you're gonna join the jake crowder bandwagon again he has not played for the heat <laughs> since he since he was traded i've, I've never left the jake crowder bandwagon um yeah, I don't know. I guess I didn't really think about it from Miami's perspective, what, what the incentive would be for them to cut him. Um, but I, he's he's a guy that, again, I just don't – I don't see really moving the needle for anybody. Do you see a fit for Tyler Johnson? Um, another one that's just – let's see. I'm, I'm looking at – It's amazing how caught off guard you are on these questions. <laughs> um. I, th- I think it's just because I don't really. None of these players are really uh, exciting to me. I don't. I don't think any of them do much for any contenders. Do you think there's a fit for Tyler Johnson somewhere? He could be if you're. I, I don't. I don't like him on the Clippers as much as I would the Lakers, but I feel like he could be someone that would help them. Just as someone who can theoretically shoot and maybe handle the ball a little bit. If you're looking like for, I'd be interested to see because we kind of saw it with Wes Matthews last year where he went to the Pacers where they weren't really a contender, but you knew that he was going to get playing time. Is there a team that, you know, for one of these guys that can really do that this year, Uh, a Tyler Johnson in Orlando, maybe not to recycle the same teams, a Tyler Johnson in the West is just so like stacked. I don't know if he would get playing time on the, you know, he's not going to get playing time on the Mavericks if he went there. OKC already has enough guards. Although, do you just start Tyler Johnson at small forward in OKC and call it a day? I'd try it. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> well, you're hating on all the good ideas. That's that's exactly <laughs> why. Uh, you know, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say maybe Orlando should just be our default for everybody. Yeah, I mean, you would you would think there might be more playing time available in the East Coast. Maybe Philly, but they got they have Al Burke, so th- maybe Tyler Johnson is superfluous with that. If Kyrie Irving ends up being out for the rest of the year, just whatever, uh, that's not the injury he's dealing with right now, but it seems like he's just always banged up. Maybe the Nets could use someone like that. Yeah. Um, the Nets are the team that threw him that big offer in the first place, right? And they've they've got a history of going back to that with Alan Crabb. Um, yeah, they really but, messed up some cap books. Shout out to yeah. them. They've got uh, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, I guess they could probably fit him in there if, if Kyrie Irving's going to miss a lot of time going forward. But I, I I probably sound like a broken record at this point. I just don't know how much any of these guys that we're talking about help people. You definitely sound broken a little bit. I will I will <laughs> give you that. You Kent Bazemore was interesting. I never really considered him. He would probably be the best player that could. Yeah, what, that, does, what does he do for the Kings? I do. Do they still fancy themselves playoff contenders? I, I honestly don't know. They probably shouldn't. Um, although I guess you know mathematically they still have an outside chance. I, I can't imagine they'll catch Portland or Memphis or New Orleans. Um, so so what I was thinking when I saw his name on the list was just you know what's what function is he serving in Sacramento? Um, and he's a guy who I think maybe could help some teams. We've talked about Switchy. Wings. He's not. He's. I think Kent Bazemore is smaller than people realize. He's six four, um, but he can still shoot the three a little bit. I think he can guard multiple positions. So maybe he's kind of the three and D guy that some of these teams could use. Although his three point percentage over the last two seasons is just 
like barely over 32. Um, so maybe I've over, oversold him as a three-point shooter a little bit, but I think in theory he's a guy who can fit that 3 and D mold. And he's under 30% since in his 10 appearances with Sacramento. I do think he provides some extra ball handling. He's always been, to me, overrated as a defender, and then he's probably been overrated as an offensive player the past two years as well. But he to have that maybe emergency ball handling, that could be someone on the Lakers that seems like they would help them a ton. I think you could actually name a bunch of teams, you know, a Philly. He could help a Philly. Uh, he could theoretically, if Boston just wants something that they think could shoot, he could help a Boston. Uh, could he help an Indiana? That might be an interesting mid season acquisition for them. The thunder, he could definitely be their starting three. Maybe, I mean, you know, I say definitely maybe, but <laughs> that's a team that maybe could go after him. Uh, the Rockets have always sort of had a weird love affair with him. They're, the he's Rockets, all the sub six, seven guys they can get too. Yeah, that's that's true as well. And so I think he's is he the best player that could potentially be bought out? Um, geez, probably. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the other names we went through. Of the ones that we've talked about, I'd say he's probably the best. Um, I mentioned Langston Galloway, and I think I put him on the list the same reason that I did Baysmore. It's just sort of what purpose. Does he serve for the Pistons? Um, so maybe if if there was some outside possibility that he'd be bought out, I think he'd be interesting for a bunch of different teams. But of of the players that we've talked about, it's probably based more. My, my problem with Langston Galloway being bought out is that it feels like it feels like the Pistons could have gotten something for him at the trade deadline. And I know there were reports that said it wouldn't there, there weren't any substantial offers, but if you were going to just get rid of him for nothing, you couldn't even get a second. mid second round pick yeah. for him. Yeah. So, and I mean, he does provide shooting and, and ball handling, but if he got bought out, I, w- I would definitely put him over the Baysmore tier. It's sort of, many, Oh, go ahead. Did you see how many points the Pistons scored last night? Whopping 76. <laughs> um, if, if they're not fully committed to a rebuild, um, hopefully last night convinced them of that. Do you know what's sort of disappointing that the Knicks don't have more buyout candidates because just the the machinations there are weird because there are these non-guaranteed and like team option salaries for next year that have partial guarantees of a million dollars on them. And so you're looking at, you know, would would they get rid of Alonzo Trier? Does he help anybody? Uh, they would be foolish to to get rid of Damian Dotson for nothing. He felt like someone who might have been able to get them a second round pick at the deadline or just be part of a larger package that got them something better. So the fact that they don't have like a, you know, we're looking at these really bad teams and they just don't have these wealth of players that could really be bought out. And it's probably because there aren't as many, there aren't as many usual number of bad teams where it's, you know, look at a team. Like I was surprised that Phoenix ended up buying out Tyler Johnson just because they're still theoretically me too. I didn't, I didn't see that one coming. They're still theoretically in the playoff races. So you run into those issues. Like the Pelicans aren't going to buy out. If they were terrible, maybe they look at buying out Derek favors. Although he's probably would have been someone that they would have looked at, looked at moving. Um, each one more. Could he potentially become a buyout candidate before the end of this month? If they fall far enough outside the playoff picture, that seems like someone they might've been able to get a low second for too. I also mentioned Biombo and Henson, and I think it's like the same talking point that we've had many times over the last couple of years. It's just the the big man market is interesting to me. I think both of those guys can protect the rim a little bit, but uh, I don't know who needs a third string center right now. I guess 
maybe if John Henson was bought out, maybe he'd be interesting in Utah. Now that I think about it, I mean, that's a team that could maybe use a, a little bit better backup center minutes. Um, but I think the center market as usual is just kind of tough to gauge. And the Clippers and the Celtics are the two teams that will be identified most in need of a big man. I saw something going around on Twitter about how uh, the Clippers really don't need a big man, basically. Because I don't they, think the Celtics need a big man either. But there's, I look, they're one and three against the Sixers, and so if you could get a body that you would throw on Joel Embiid, I think that helps. Henson and Biombo aren't that for the Clippers. Uh, Zubats is a really good rim protector, but I think he can be played off the floor in in certain matchups, and that's what the issue for Los Angeles is. And then Montrezl Harrell might be undersized for certain opponents, and so that's why they need a big man. It's not because Zubats is terrible or that. They're awful at protecting the rim. Like that's not their problem. It's just that they need sort of a matchup proof five. And I think Jermichael Green is probably the closest they come. And even he's just on the smaller end for that type of role. That being said, I don't know. It's definitely not Biombo. And yeah. I I haven't seen enough of John Henson this season to say it, it would be him either. Tristan think- Thompson is probably would be their uh would be their just whale in this. Yeah. Um anybody else we need to discuss? No, I'm out of potential buyout names. The market seems like it's going to be sparse. It's not going to be like that year when Bellinelli and Ilyasova really just yeah. saved the Sixers' regular season. I say saved, yeah. but enhanced is the correct word. This is different. Even even the guys who were already bought out and signed, like you said, I think Marvin Williams is a good pickup for Milwaukee, but I don't I don't know if there's a great path to minutes for him there. And MKG on Dallas is just kind of weird. So I'm with you. I think the buyout market, generally speaking, is just um, – just different this year. It's not quite as inspiring as it's been in some other years. But if you have some guys that you think could be bought out that we didn't bring up, um, you can find us on Twitter to discuss that. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. Dan is at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The podcast network is at Blue Wire Pods. And as always, we encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. If you've already done that, please tell your friends and family to do so. And until next time. We leave you with the shout out to Benno Udry and Kyle Anderson. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four part series premiering Sunday, June 6th. Only on Showtime.